Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily for the 10th of February, 2024. Flyers Daily, as always, presented by Ticketmaster. Make more memories live. Flyers, game two of a three-game homestand uh, will be tonight at Wells Fargo Center when they welcome former Flyer coach Dave Hackstall back to Philadelphia. And uh, the Flyers will take on the Seattle Kraken tonight. These two teams faced each other back on the 29th of December. It was a 2-1 overtime win for Seattle. Here's what the two teams have done since that game. Flyers have played 17 games, a record of 8-8-1. Seattle hasn't played as many games. They've only played 13 games, but they are 7-5-1 over that stretch. And matter of fact, that win over the Flyers was uh, in the middle of what turned out to be a nine-game win streak for Seattle. They went from December 20th all the way to the 13th of January, rattled off nine straight wins before and after the Christmas break, and then promptly lost four straight games. Three of them on the road, one of them at home. Uh, then they beat Chicago 6-2. to two. Then they lost to St. Louis in overtime, beat Columbus uh, on the 28th of January, and then uh, lost to the San Jose Sharks 2 to nothing in their last game. And that was the first game of this road trip uh, for the Seattle Kraken. This is the first game out east for the Kraken. And obviously, they're just coming off their break. Flyers have already had two games since their break ended, uh, but this will be the first opportunity uh, for Seattle to get back after their unofficial second half of the season. They'll be in Philadelphia, New Jersey, uh, the New York Islanders, and Boston Bruins before they return home on February 19th. This Seattle team, it's really interesting because you look at their schedule, and like a lot of teams that are in that category where they are, really the only teams that are kind of immune from the kind of run of bad result and the run of good result are the upper crust teams in the league and the very bottom crust teams in the league. Uh, But Seattle's one of those teams. They lost five of six games back uh, from November 4th to November 15th. Then they won three of four. Then they lost nine straight games from February or November 24th uh, to December 10th. Then they win two, lose two. Then they rattle off the nine straight wins. Now they're in this uh, period where they have lost six of their last eight games. So they're a team that runs hot and cold, and we'll see how they come out of the break. Uh, Flyers have obviously come out of the break very well and you know, stem a five-game losing skid that doesn't bleed over uh, to the portion after the All-Star break, which I think was really important. They get a 2-1 win uh, in Florida, Uh, this past Tuesday, and then their last game on Thursday, obviously, that 4-1 win over the Winnipeg Jets, who they swept in the season series. And since these these two teams played last, those games since, the Flyers have only averaged 2.76 goals per game and have allowed 3.23 goals per game. There's a couple lopsided games in there, thinking about Colorado in particular and Boston. You know, Colorado hung a seven spot on the Flyers and six against the uh, Boston Bruins. Seattle, since these two teams last played, have averaged 3.15 goals per game, good number, and have only allowed 2.53 goals per game. Flyers 8-8-1, eight, eight, and one, and like I said, Seattle 7-5-1. and one. Uh, Flyers have gone 9 for 53 on the power play, clicking at just under 17%, 16.98%, and Seattle's gone 7 for 28, 25%. 
they're clicking on the power play. So they've been very efficient of late. Not a lot of power plays, but they've been efficient when they've been on it. Uh, the PK for the two teams, Flyers 86.2%, and Seattle uh, has been clicking at 75%. The Flyers' PK has been really consistent for the pretty much the entirety of this season. And they get another shorthanded goal in that last game as well, an important goal uh, for the Flyers in that game. It was the fourth. Uh, it was off the stick of Ryan Paling, which gave the Flyers their 11th shorty of the season. So Flyers in Seattle uh, coming up tonight, the middle game of this three-game road trip. It'll be an interesting week of Flyers hockey because a week from today is the outdoor game, the stadium series game at MetLife Stadium against the New Jersey Devils, but not an overly busy week for the Flyers. This month of February is not one of those super busy, ram jam, tons of games kind of month that, that we see that we'll see again, frankly, in, in March and that we obviously saw in the month of uh, January for the Flyers and, and many teams around the league. So this is an opportunity maybe to grab some practice time, bank a little bit of energy, but John Tortorella is going to want to see his team play a much more complete game than they did in either of the two games since they've been back. They won both of them, uh, but their first period against Florida was not good enough, uh, although they survived it behind the goaltending of Sam Harrison and then played a really good second and third period. And then the last game against Winnipeg staked a 3 nothing lead in the first period, but then really let their foot off the gas in the second and third period and got away with it. Uh, so we'll see if that was an opportunity for John Tortorella uh, to use that for some messaging about playing complete games. This time of year, you just can't – you're in a really tight playoff race. You can't afford to cough one up uh, when that happens. They haven't done that since they've been back so far. Uh, but you got to kind of guard against that in advance so it doesn't happen because two points can absolutely be the difference between going to the postseason and not going to the postseason. Uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand still leads the way for Seattle in points. You know, it's amazing. Some teams, you look in the league, they get multiple guys over a point per game. Bjorkstrand's got 40 points in 50 games. He's their leading scorer, 13 goals and 27 assists. This is a by-committee team as well, very similar to the Flyers. Uh, 46 games for Vince Dunn uh, on that blue line. He's got 37 points, including 10 assists on the power play. Uh, Jared McCann's got 35 points, and Eli Tolvanen has got uh, 34 uh, this Seattle Kraken team. I imagine it will be Sam Arison once again. John Tortorella talked about usage of Arison in this month where it's not that busy, but did say they are going to have to find spots for Cal Peterson. You're not going to be able to ride Sam Arison every single game. and Because if you do, you're going to ride him into the ground. Uh, we'll see who gets the start for Seattle. Joey Decord, who we saw in that last game, played really good. Handled the puck well in that game, if I recall as well. Uh, 15 wins, 9 losses, 9 overtime losses, 2-3-2 goals against average, and a very gaudy 9-21 save percentage. Again, this is in 34 games. He's having a very, very good season for the Seattle Kraken. So Flyers Kraken tonight. And now that the team has returned from the All-Star break and the, we're kind of getting back into the rhythm of the season. I thought today would be a good opportunity to take the temperature of Flyer fans, get their feelings, because we all know that the five-game skid, and as I referred to, you know, a, a, a certain portion of the fan base as the uh, uh, the dirt and shovel brigade. Whenever the Flyers stumble, they're standing by with the dirt and the shovel ready to pour dirt on them and, and bury them for the season when in an 82-game NHL season, it's full of ebbs and flows, good results and bad results, 
some periods where it looks like the team can't lose and some periods where it looks like they can't win. Uh, but back from the break now, first two games, 2-1 win over Florida, a very good team. And you look at Florida, I mean, they're the fourth highest points percentage team in the NHL at .667 points percentage this season. And then they beat Winnipeg the other night at home, who is the fifth highest points percentage team in the NHL at .663 percentage. Flyers, by the way, 14th in the NHL at .577 on the points percentage. So I thought it was a good opportunity to ask Flyer fans, just just a real simple question. How are you feeling right now? How are you feeling about... You know, the team being back and a playoff push and everything that goes with it. You had the five-game win streak capped off with that game against the Dallas Stars, the 5-1 win, probably their best win and most impressive showing of the year, followed by the five-game skid where McKinnon and Kucherov and you look at David Posternock, and they got it handed to them for those five games. How are you feeling now that the dust has kind of settled a little bit and the team's got back-to-back wins? Joseph Schumacher tweeted and said, uh, he said, I'm back to listening to every game and watching them when I can find them on my stream. Also have a two-year-old son saying, go fly hockey, which shows I'm doing something right as a dad. Yeah, you are doing a great job, Joseph, as a dad, getting your uh, little one into it at a very young age, which is awesome. And yeah, I mean, it's it's been compelling. It's been fun to watch. It's been fun to go through, even the periods when, you know, the five-game skid or when things didn't go well on that trip to Seattle, then Calgary and Edmonton. They've still been an intriguing team to watch. Uh, Jason McNeil tweeted in and said, here's his feelings. Fun, fast, work. Excellent PK over the last year when 27 uh, was in-game 71 last year. So it took them 71 games to get to where they are now, and they got a lot of runway left here, 30 games to go. Uh, He said, controversies dealt with in a straightforward, no BS manner. Everyone buying in, accountability, still sell at the deadline and make the playoffs, make game 83. How can't Torts not win the Jack Adams in Torts I Trust? Well, there's a couple guys in that conversation for Jack Adams. And uh, Torts, if the season ended today, which it doesn't, um, would absolutely be in that conversation. I think you have to look at former Flyer, Rick Tockett as well. He's got the Vancouver Canucks. They were not a playoff team last year. He's got them humming this season. And he's done a really nice job there. They're the top team in the NHL, uh, tied in points percentage with the Boston Bruins. And, you know, they're they're buying. They trade for Elias Lindholm. They're a team that's going for it. Uh, so he'll be in that conversation as well. But uh, Torts, I think, has done a really good job this year. And I think part of it is – you know, if you saw the press conference after the game against um, the Winnipeg Jets where they win the game 4-1, they don't have many rock and chair ride wins in third periods of this year. He was not happy, and he was not pleased with the play, the compete level, and the execution of his team in the final two periods of that game because he knows that if that's something that persists, that will cost them. They got away with it, but that will cost them. So it's a coach's job to stay on top of that, not let it slide because you got a good result. And, you know, I think that's a, a very good trait of John Tortorella's. Uh, Flyers ginger ambassador at Yarnballer Kev, frequent tweeter to the program. He said, it is definitely just fun. I'm enjoying this ride and wherever it goes, it goes. He goes, I know being a GM is not an easy job, 
but the PTSD of the previous regime still leaves me somewhat on guard. Really excited to see this plan unfold and how Danny handles uh, the trade deadline and the next draft. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I agree, Kev, because, you know, they're a team that has regained something you really want as a GM. That's leverage. You know, you have guys that other teams want, whether that's, you know, expiring contracts like Sean Walker, Nick Sealer, or, or others. And you have guys that aren't on expiring deals like Rasmus Ristolainen or Scott Lawton. And how, you know, you're only going to move those guys. You're not looking to move some of them, but you're going to move them only if you get, a, I call it the godfather deal. And I, I made him an offer he couldn't refuse. That's a bad impression. But if you get such a good offer, you know, towards the set, you can't fall in love. You got to make those tough decisions. So how the uh, the deadline plays out, how the draft plays out will be uh, a conversation for the offseason. Uh, but it has been fun to watch. And I understand the PTSD. I do. Because, you know, the team was messaging different messages. And it seemed like there was a lack of commitment to whatever the plan was, not only season to season, but sometimes month to month. And that has not been an issue under this regime uh, with Danny Briere's, the general manager of the Philadelphia Flyers. Delco Bryan speaks to that as well. He says, the Hilferty, Jonesy, Briere, Trinity have restored faith. They can do what their predecessors could not, manage the cap, identify and develop prospects, and let court torts coach a competitive roster he said even if a swoon happens after the all-star game or deadline 23-24 has been a success look if they don't make the playoffs and they really limp down the stretch it's going to sting even though we didn't expect this it's still going to sting because now the team has performed well you see what they can do and again we'll see how the deadline plays out injury all that stuff but it has been a huge step forward. And I don't just mean with the players on the ice. I am talking about organizationally. It's been a huge step forward in a reconnection between the Flyers franchise and their fans. And that is a great thing. How about this? Our next one comes kind of in the same vein from my good friend, John Kincaid. Of course, Kincaid uh, on the morning show on 97.5 The Fanatic, the Flyers radio network. And John John coached me in high school. So he and I have been talking hockey since uh, about 1987. But uh, John says the following. He said, I'm tired of being told, quote, this year isn't about the playoffs. He said, of course, it wasn't. But if you have a chance to make the playoffs, enjoy the ride, and don't apologize for being pumped up about it. He said, I don't want them buying at the deadline but I'm now torn about any potential selling, which is a great point because, you know, these players have earned their way to being in this position of being a playoff team. How, you know, some people go, well, if you sell some players off, you're not rewarding that. Now, some people think you need to reward a team that's put themselves in this position by buying. I don't agree with that. But selling players off could be something that, you know, lets the air out of the locker room and, you know, becomes, you know, an issue. I don't know that that is the case. Look, Mike and Philly responded to John's tweet and said they need a, a top-level 1C and a, and a 1D, and you can't get them both via trade or from free agency 
So at least one of them need to come via the draft, and we ain't getting that level of prospect with a late first-round pick. So that is why some fans aren't happy with winning ahead of a schedule in this rebuild. And look, and I pointed out that there's there are several stars in the NHL that weren't taken to the top of the first round. David Pasternak, 25th overall. Nikita Kucherov, 58th. McAvoy, 14th overall. The number one day game-changing player. Braden Point was taken in the third round, 79th overall, and countless other players. Um, but he went on to say that, you know, when you look at there, – there's a thousand examples where that doesn't happen. He said, I'm a huge fan and respect your opinion, but for every one of those anomalies that you gave, I can give you 100 failures. But I can also give you 100 top five pick failures. I mean, look, we don't have to go back that far in Philadelphia. 2017, Nolan Patrick was a number two overall failure. Nail Jakob, they're not guarantees. They're not a guaranteed ticket out. Is it a, a greater percentage? Of course, I totally agree. He said, I think we can all agree it's much easier to get a, a star 1C in the top 5 to 10 than it is to hope you get a steal later in the first round. It's a rebuild, so do it right. So I asked him, I said, I, I don't disagree, and you got to do a rebuild right, but what is doing it right? Is it stinking on purpose? I don't. I will never buy into that, as we've talked about here on the podcast a number of times. Never buy into that. So we'll see where that goes. But um, the team very likely not going to draft in the top five. Um, John V says, this is fun. Rather have this than the apathy of the last few years. And again, if you, if you wanted the team to not win or they're winning ahead of schedule— then you didn't want Joel Farabee to have a bounce back and be a good player. You didn't want uh, Travis Anaheim to have a bounce back and, and be a good player. You didn't want Cam York to continue to develop. You didn't want Owen Tippett to continue to develop. You didn't want uh, Tyson Forster to continue to develop. You're, you're hoping for failure, but there's so many young players on this team that you're almost cutting off your nose to spite your face. Um, Mike Butts says, I was there last night, meaning the night against Winnipeg, and he said, and they can talk about the last 40 minutes, but this is a much better than we were pre-break. I, I didn't love their second and third period of the Winnipeg game. I, I really didn't. Uh, Chuck Peters, arguably the most fun hockey I've seen in years. This season has been a breath of fresh air. And even if we don't make the playoffs, I'm happy with how unexpectedly exciting this team has been. And one more, uh, Roberto says, this season has been a great surprise. Every time they're supposed to start getting whooped. They just keep winning. I could definitely see them winning a playoff round, but I also feel this is lightning in a bottle with everyone playing above their heads. Sell, baby, sell. Well, that's an interesting thought. Is the is this year the byproduct of everyone playing above their heads? I don't I don't know that to be true. Um, let me look at some examples. Travis Konechny had a great year last year. He had what, 61 points in 63 games. Uh, he's having a great year this year. So that's not lightning in a bottle. He's done it two years in a row, and he's a two-time All-Star. Should be three-time All-Star. Owen Tippett, at 25 years of age, continues to develop. Um, and he's turning into a player that can be a difference maker. Not a superstar, but a difference maker. Uh, look at Cam York. He's played a lot of top pair and has not looked out of place. I don't think that's him playing above his head. I think there's still some... Some things to work on there. Same with Jamie Drysdale. Same with Travis Sanheim, who's a little bit older. I don't think that it's been a, a situation where they've played above their head. 
I think some guys are having some good years. Some guys are having not great years. Now, Cam Atkinson was benched in the third period of the game against Winnipeg. Uh, he was a healthy scratch earlier this season. He went 26 games without a goal, the longest stretch of his career. Scott Lawton's points are down considerably. Noah Cates has two goals on the season and missed a lot of time out with injury. So I think the return of Sean Couturier has helped a ton, and maybe we underestimated his return. I know I did. I know a lot of people did. But I don't think this is a situation where you see players playing above their head, and that's why they are where they are. I think Bradshaw and Torts have done a good job unlocking players like Sean Walker and like Rasmus Ristolainen. I think that's helped. Obviously, the goaltending that they've had all year and now with Sam Harrison is a big element. Look, if you don't have goaltending in this league, forget it. You're dead. And they've had goaltending. They've gotten goaltending. Now it's a little bit of a question mark because Hart's not here. And it's Cal Peterson as the backup, at least for now. How is he going to perform in the games that he gets? Are they going to be quality starts? So I, I don't look at it as a team that's playing above their head. I look at it as a team that's played well, a team that's together, a team that plays hard, and a team that has been opportunistic. And I don't think it's this is kind of a flash in the pan. I don't see it that way. All right. That's uh, great stuff from everybody. Thanks for tweeting in. Um, I appreciate the correspondence as always. Flyers Seattle Kraken tonight at Wells Fargo Center. We'll break it down tomorrow. Join us then on a brand new Flyers Daily.